Um, how many of you were here last week and got to hear um, Brent? Yeah? She brought an amazing message. <laughs> a woman in the well. I love how Brent preaches from the word because it just flows with life. And um, yeah, it like comes alive and it comes, it filled, it's like Jesus is speaking it right here in front of us. So tonight we get, I, I hear part two. How cool is that? So thank you so much, Brent. Before I, I launch into uh, part two, and if you weren't here for part one, I'm going to do a really quick overview so you'll be able to hang along with us here. Um, but I wanted to uh, let you know that um, this last week, Pastor Nabil and his wife Nadia and their three sons, that's the pastor from um, Jordan that we've been connecting with quite a lot. Uh, they were here this last week. Suzanne and I hosted them for a few days, had a great time with them. And then when they went back to Jordan on uh, Saturday... Uh, sorry, yesterday, Friday. It's all a blur right now. Um, our son, Aaron, our youngest, who's 21, flew back with them. And he's actually going to be there for the next month uh, doing, helping with their summer school for their, uh, their American Academy there. Things are going extremely well. Their school is expanding and expanding. Uh, some of you even thought about teaching there. Um, maybe too late for this year, maybe not. But maybe even next year, you might want to still think about that. Um, I'm going to go back to Jordan uh, in a month, uh, basically a month from now. Before that, I will be going to Uganda. So I'm going to go to Uganda and Jordan again one more, uh, one more time. This will be my fourth trip to Uganda. And I wanted to ask if there are some of you who would like to support me on that trip. And um, I wanted to explain that uh, both myself and Todd, who went recently, Joel, who went last year and is planning on going again to release the prophetic there, we're definitely having an impact on an entire region of Uganda. What I mean by that is um, is that these these past these people are so precious and they so want to please God, but because they've been um, uh, just in 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 chains with the legalism of uh, it, it's been robbing their joy and they're very joyful people they are very joyful people but but they've been on this uh, treadmill of performance thing that is absolutely killing them and as we've been bringing the love of the father as we've been sharing the grace the stuff you hear a lot here that is brand new for them it's so new that the first year that i brought it they were looking at me kind of weird like what planet are you from and are you sharing the gospel and then I gave them the book so that they had something to actually read and see where the scriptures were. And, and you know, that my book, uh, Always Loved, lays it out, the Father's love. So we gave out, many of you helped with this three years ago, my second trip. And we purchased hundreds of copies so they each could have their own. The next year, which was last year when I came back, oh my goodness, the transformation that happened. And one, well, I just want to share one story. There was a pastor named Charles. Yeah. Again, such a sweetheart. These, these people are so beautiful. And, and um, so I was teaching this class, uh, a breakout session on um, grace versus the law and trying to help them to see that what the two are and how one, you know, is the law is, is, leads to so much death and grace leads to so much life. And I taught the same breakout session two days in a row, and I noticed that a bunch of the pastors came to both of them. They're like, we want to hear this again. I know it's the same breakout session, but tell me again. And one of them came up to me, um, this pastor Charles, and he, 
He said, he said, Pastor Brent, you have no idea what that book did for me. He was so filled with joy, so filled with life. He said, everything in my life has changed. I, I see everything differently now. I'm loved. I'm a loved child. I don't have to earn it anymore. He's just filled with so much joy. But what you need to realize is that these are the pastors, right? So that means this is changing how they're sharing. This is changing their churches. Um, so I want to let you know what it is you're, you keep sowing into and let you know it's making a difference. And it's so great to keep going back to the same place because then you really can see the change. And in, in just three short years, and this will be the fourth one, there is there's some big change going on. So if... If you would like to give, the offerings have already gone by, but you can put it in the offering. I think it's in the back. If you'd like to donate to my trip, still make it out to Blazing Fire Church if you're using a check. And um, in the memo, um, it's if you can remember this. Pardon? Not. Right. In the memo, you don't put my name. You're putting um, the, this number, MTU, which stands for Mission Trip Uganda, MTU. One six one one. If that's really confusing, you could probably put mission trip, and if it goes in there today, we would know that's for me. Is that legit? Okay. All right. I have to check with the boss, the one who keeps things in order. You wouldn't want to know what this place would be like without her help. Um, so, first, before I go on, um, let's let's stop. I want I want to ask you to pray with me. And I want to ask you to just repeat, because we need to be involved in this. Just, I would like uh, you to pray, Holy Spirit, touch my heart tonight. I give you permission to teach me more. To experience all the freedom that Jesus paid for. <laughs> to know more of the depth of my Father's love for me. Amen. Those prayers make a big difference. I wish we could all see what's happening in the Spirit when we pray, but if we really could, we'd pray a lot more often because our words are actually doing something and preparing the soil. So um, the message tonight is that it's harvest time. It is harvest time. Um, last week, I'm going to back up, though, because last week I started at the beginning of John chapter 4. And uh, this is the story of the woman at the well that uh, Jesus is coming back from a hard trip, getting beat up by some religious people who don't like him very much. And uh, he's all alone because his disciples go off to get food. And this woman comes up who is uh, really scorned and despised by people around her because uh, she's made some really bad choices. But how many of you know People that make really bad, destructive choices, there's a reason for it. Um, there's pain almost always. There's heartache. There's, there's reasons they're trying to numb the pain, and, and this was certainly true for this woman. And so here's Jesus who just loves her. And before, he already knows things about her because I'm sure the Father has let him know things. Because um, in, a, in a few minutes, he's about to put his finger on a really... Um, sore place in her life, which is a place of shame for her because she's already had five husbands and the one she's with is not her husband. Jesus actually already knew that, but he didn't start with that in the conversation because his goal is never to shame us. Instead, he started by telling her about living water that she could have. He asks for a drink from her because he wants relationship with her. 
he actually, we actually give him, we actually satisfy, quench his thirst. Our, our affection for him does that for him because it's all about relationship. So he invites her into this relationship. He tells her about the living water she can have, piques her interest. It's, it's only then that he mentions about, uh, you've, why don't you go get your husband, when he knows good and well that she's already had five husbands, which she says, and this... And, he says, that's right. He says, well, actually, she says, I'm sorry. She says, I'm not married. He says, I know. You, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with is not your husband. Now, again, what I said last week is you have to ask yourself, was Jesus trying to shame her or break her shame? As you see the rest of the story, you understand there's, there's no way he was adding shame to her. He was actually healing her. He was, he was actually causing her to come, be, come into an awareness of the shame that was killing her. But he had to have her get in connection with that first so that he could heal it. And so what he does, she, she says, okay, Mr. Prophet Man, since you know all this about me, should I worship God on this mountain or this one? And he says, he says no, actually the time's coming when you're going to know your father and he's going to basically meet with you in your heart. So he tells her about a father. She's asking about God. He says, you have a father who loves you because he's dealing with her father wounds that have caused all kinds of pain and, and caused her to make some very poor choices. I didn't say this last week, but think about this. It, to me, it's very interesting. We read the stories, especially a story like this that many of you have heard so many times that you, we don't engage with it very much. One of the things... I sometimes ponder is what Jesus didn't say, what he didn't do. Think about this, because he so impacted her that she ran off to tell uh, the village about this man who knows everything about me and he loves me. But notice what he didn't say. He never said to her, you know, probably be a really good idea to marry this guy that you're with. Or he didn't say, you know what, he's probably not, the bum's probably not very good for you. You probably should leave him. Those are some of the things we would probably do pretty quickly because we're trying to clean up somebody's life and we're going to start deciding for them what should happen. Jesus was much more interested in healing her heart, letting her know how safe he was, and beginning a relationship with her because he's, he's in a relationship lifetime with us. And I don't know about you, but I didn't get cleaned up in a day. And, I'm, and I still have issues at times. Do you know what I'm saying? He's in this for the long haul with us. And so often we're trying to, whether it's our own life or the life of other people around us, we're trying to deal with the sin issue, making that the big issue, when the big issue is actually about love, it's about grace, it's about forgiveness, it's about people knowing they're accepted and wanted. Once, once a person knows you genuinely care for them, you gain a whole different authority in their lives to be able to love them into health. So Jesus didn't jump on that, right? He didn't say, you, you know what, You're, you got some issues here, you're going to have to clean these things up, or, you know. No, he loves her. So she goes into the town, and uh, this one that the early Christians called Fotini, uh, they gave her that name because she was unnamed in this story, which means the enlightened one. She was enlightened by Jesus. And she'll go down in history as the first New Testament evangelist to win a city for Christ. Because, you know what? The Lord will use anybody for his glory to, to, um, to, to share the good news. 
The thing is, is we have to receive it first, meaning it's got to impact us. It, it's no, this is not a head knowledge thing. Okay, what are, the, what are the four spiritual laws again, you know, so I know how to share this, right? No. How has he changed you? How has he touched you? I remember a couple, week, a couple months ago, we were in worship, not in, in our previous location, and I, I remember I said, Jesus, tell me again. I think it might have been Easter even, but anyway, I said, Jesus, tell me again. Remind me what you did for me. Because sometimes we, we just, you know, Christianity can start to become a head, a head thing again. We just, it's all about, you know, are we thinking the right thoughts? Do we, have the, do we have the right theology? When really, ultimately, this is a heart issue. This is Jesus who came and rescued us and captured our hearts. And I said, Jesus, tell me again. Remind me again. And honestly, there was just this, in, in a moment, he just reminded me. With no shame involved. Because our past is past. When, when he washes you clean, you're washed clean. So he doesn't bring you back. He will never, uh, as we might, some of us might want to do with an animal and say, you know, you made a mess here. Don't do that. That's not Jesus. He doesn't make us go back and smell our messes and say, are you really, are you really ashamed? Uh, no, that's not Jesus. He came to set us free from, from exactly that. And so in a moment, he starts, he reminds me kind of where my life was and where it was going and when he interrupted all that. And, and showed me himself, and I said, oh, yeah, that's right. I, was, I, was about, I, would, I would have destroyed my life if it weren't for you. And I'm, and I'm crying, of course, as he's showing me this. And I'm in the middle of worship. It was probably Todd, you know, singing something over us. Where's Todd? There you are. It was probably Todd. He's singing something beautiful, or Joel or someone. And I'm just crying a mess because I, my heart got in connection again with what, what he had done. I encourage that, if you, especially if your heart's feeling dead, you know, ask him. Jesus, remind me what it is. Again, not because you're going back into your old stuff and not because of guilt or shame. That's what he saved, saved us from. But so that, so that your heart gets reconnected. Oh, yeah, Jesus. That's right. That's right. I was a big mess. And you, and you said, I'll, I'll trade that just for, for my love. So um, I want to go on with this story. This... Um, in this story, this is actually the last verses I read last week, that she, she runs back to the village. She leaves Jesus and the disciples who have now come back with the food. She runs away from them. She just drops it all. And she says, come and meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one that we've all been waiting for. See, she's still not sure. Do you know that's okay with Jesus? Isn't that amazing? See, we're all in these different places with him in our, our, uh, our, our journey with him. And he's okay with that. He's okay that some people are still exploring it. Some maybe are, are, are cursing him and don't know him yet. He's like, yep, that's okay. They're going to come around because I'm going to keep loving on him. Some, some people are questioning things. Some, some are in a really good place. Uh, sometimes we're in a really good place and then we go back to a, bad, to a not so good place. He loves us in the midst of all of it. But here's the amazing thing that I was saying last week. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. That's crazy. This is a woman that they were making fun of, that they were uh, looking, you know, looking down upon. Oh, well, that's that woman. She shouldn't even be in our village. And all of a sudden, they're listening to what she had to say, and they're streaming out to see Jesus. So my question is, just how impacted was she? Did her face change? Did her voice change? Did, you know, 
my guess is she had a cloud, a huge cloud over her head of depression and shame that was lifted, and they somehow saw a different woman they didn't see before. And they said, what happened to you? I got I to gotta go meet this man. So let's go on with the story. This is still in the Passion Translation. It says, then the disciples began, not back at the well now, the disciples began to insist that Jesus eat some f- the food that they brought back from the village. Come on, Jesus, eat something. You've got to be hungry. But Jesus told them, don't worry about me. I've eaten a meal you don't know about. Now, Jesus all the time was using a play on words. I was trying to think earlier today about a play on words. We, we do it all the time. We, I just couldn't think of a good example. But we will choose this word rather than that one because it fits with the theme of whatever we're trying to say. That's what he was doing here. There's a lot of words he could have used, but instead he used one that wasn't used very often at all for, for the word meal. He's using the word that actually means nutrients. And uh, it's also a homonym, which is a, a, a like same word that's like kingdom. So he's telling them, I've enjoyed this amazing kingdom meal that's nourishing me. So what is that? What is that meal? He says, see, puzzled by this, hey, puzzled by this, the disciples, they began to discuss among themselves. I love it. Whenever they get in their own and start huddling and they don't understand Jesus, it's hilarious. And believe me, we would have done the same thing if we were in their shoes. Did someone already bring him food? You know, who got the in and out while we were gone? Or was it a happy meal? It must have been a happy meal if it was Jesus. Where did he get this meal? Then Jesus, he puts up with it for a little while. And then he says, he explains, every time I do the will of the Father who sent me, I enjoy a feast. Now, what this tells me is, is that what happened, how Jesus interacted with this woman was very pleasing to the Father. See, because it's, it, it's not just Jesus. He's, you have to remember, he's coming to represent a very misrepresented, misunderstood Father throughout the ages. Jesus is coming to set the record straight. This is my dad. When you see me, you've seen him. What I do is coming straight from my father. So that means how he interacted with this woman, which means extending grace before she asked for it. It means not shaming her or condemning her, but but healing her and offering her hope. That is the father's will. Which is why you and I, we are very much like that woman at the well where we need the healing touch of Jesus. We need his forgiveness. But we're also like Jesus, meeting other people, meeting the woman at the well. We need to be like that. That means we, we, choo- we are choosing not to judge. It's our choice not to judge. We have to be really careful because the word, word says in, in uh, Romans chapter 2, it says whatever, whatever measure you judge, you're, you're actually guilty of the very same thing. Ouch. There's, there's several other places. Jesus mentioned the same thing. But this says that what, how he treated this woman at the well was absolutely the Father's will. Then, remember, I'm going back to the picture of the woman just for a minute because here she is 
you know, the first time coming up. But I just want you to see it, it could have very much been an, uh, an area like this. Because the next thing Jesus says, Jesus is always using illustrations based on what's going on around him. He's brilliant. Um, and, and he knows that, that that's going to speak louder than just words sometimes. So he's looking out over the fields. But you've got to realize this time the woman's coming back. She's got a different, you know, step. She's, she's happy. She's been set free. And I don't know how many people, but I'm going to say a few hundred people. It just says the, the village was streaming out with her. A few hundred people streaming through, quite possibly through the fields like this. And that's where Jesus is looking with his disciples, looking as the crowds emerge from the village. He says to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? What's he mean by that? It's, it's just farming. You know, you're planting the seed. Uh, you, first of all, you have to till the soil. You plant the seeds. You water it. Sun's coming down. And you wait. And you wait. And, and uh, for, for many crops, four months is kind of how long they're waiting until they're, they're actually harvesting it. So he's saying to them, don't, don't tell me four more months. Like, like, well, we just planted a seed, so surely they can't be ready yet. No, look at all the people coming. They're streaming at us. Now is harvest time. Now is harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. Do you know how hungry people are for Jesus? And I think one of the reasons, I'm just going to step out on a limb and say, one of the reasons why I think it's hard for a lot of us to share with people is because, because in the past we've seen it done very poorly. Maybe we've done it poorly. Because instead of loving people, we, we learned a, a, you know, a system by which if we say these words and we try to get them to pray this prayer, then, you know, we've done what Jesus said and now we're a better Christian. Anyone? Anyone at all? Oh, yeah, I've been there. I've absolutely been there. Um, but look what Jesus did with the woman at the well. He didn't lead her in a, you know, in that kind of prayer. He met her where she was. He asked something of her. I, I, one of the easiest ways to talk to people, wherever you are, is just talk to them about them. Just ask them a question. And let's just say, let's just say um, you're walking along and, and you see someone that's limping or something and you kind of get that nudge from the Holy Spirit like, go pray for healing for them. And there's that part of you that goes, no, I don't want to. Anyone? Okay, that's me sometimes. No, I don't want to. How, what would I say? You know, this is, Lord, this is awkward. This is really weird. I don't even know that person. You know what's amazing? When I, if I would just, whenever I start this way, it goes great. I say, Oh, wow, what happened to you? What, you? what? Everybody, oh, they'll tell you all about what happened, you know? And, and the next thing you know, you're in a conversation with them. The Lord may or may not even have you pray for healing because in that conversation, you start learning things about them. And he may actually change it a little bit on you. And you start learning, wow, this person's really lonely. You see what I mean? And you start, he might show you a different need altogether. But you don't know that till you engage in a conversation. However, I will say, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. I will say that really um, many of you have already invested in relationships for a long time in your workplace, in schools, uh, uh, maybe a place you shop frequently and you see the same cashier and you've gotten to know them over time, whatever it is. Those are the relationships. Um, sometimes we think, well, I can't really, you know, it's work. I can't really talk about Jesus. Well, actually, what you can do is talk to people and actually care about them. 
and engage with them. And the more you actually talk to them about things, you'll find out certain opportunities will just open wide up. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share. I'm, gonna, I'm going way ahead of myself. That's okay. I'm going to share about when I was, in, uh, I was in UC Davis. I went to UC Davis in college. And I was, I was at the, the primate center. I worked at the primate center, the monkeys. Um, and uh, I had a boss. His name was Harold Diggs. still remember his name after all these years. And I haven't seen him in whatever it's been, 30 years, something more. Um, but while I was there, he was my boss. So I could be saying, well, I can't talk to him about Jesus. But here's the thing. I, I got to know him. I got to be friends with him. And you know what? His life started falling apart. And his wife was leaving him. And the more I just listened and cared about him, uh, there was an easy opportunity at some point to start talking to him about what he was longing for, which was someone who cared, to tell him about Jesus who could start to actually be there for him in his life. And he had not, you know, most people have heard about Jesus. So, yeah, I went to church when I was four, you know, and that's kind of the end. You think maybe that's the end of the conversation, but you can tell them what he's done in your life. This is what he's done for me. Do you, you know, are you interested? Do you, do you want to know him like that? So I actually got to pray with my boss when I was in college. He was probably 20 years older than me at the time. Got to pray with him, and he received Jesus. And, and you know what? I know that was extremely important for him at that point in his life. He, he needed that. I have not been in touch with him since, so I don't know how he's doing. Um, but I know he has Jesus, so he's... <laughs> Probably doing a lot better than, I know he's doing better than if he hadn't had Jesus. Let me go on with the story, and then I'm going to tell one more story. Um, Jesus goes on and says, everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And this confirms the saying, one sows the seed and another reaps the harvest. When Doug Addison was with us um, many years ago, Doug Addison, a uh, prophetic voice. Um, he's a good friend of mine. And he came to Blazing Fire about, I don't know, 12 years ago and helped us to get out on the streets and just to meet people and be with them and, and uh, give prophetic words and pray for healing. Once we did that, we started seeing amazing things happen. But, but Doug's teaching was so helpful because what he was telling us is, look, the pressure's off. When you, when you are with people... So often we've been taught, well, you, you know, you've got to evangelize, you've got to bring people to Jesus in the sense that we've got to be the one that, that says, are you ready for Jesus? And we've got to lead him in a prayer. And, and believe me, that's a good thing to do when it's the right time, when it's their time, when God has brought them to that place. But what Doug was helping us to, to know, and statistically, I don't know who gets these statistics, but anyway that it takes the average person about 9 to 14 encounters of hearing about Jesus, thinking about him, um, before, the, before the average person says, you know what, I think I need to give my life to him. I don't know how it was for you. Supposedly, that's the average. How do you know, therefore, whether you're the first encounter, the sixth encounter, the ninth encounter? You don't. You just love people. And, and we need the courage to tell them our story. I, it's funny how we are. We, we will all tell people about something we're really excited about. I, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you all about superfood if you want to hear about it, which is some green stuff that I've been putting in a 
smoothie every morning for the last 15 years. And when I do, like my bloodstream, it just goes right into my bloodstream and I'm a happy camper and I feel so good. I'll tell you all about that. I'll tell anybody all about that. Anybody who wants to know. Another story later. I'm saying we have, do you not think that Jesus is better than superfood? The giver of life, the one who's ushering us into his heavenly kingdom for eternity? Are you kidding me? Most of us, most of us when we were first saved was probably the time when we were the most excited to tell everybody. And then what happens is a lot of people aren't as excited about you as you are about it. And so, you know, after a while you feel like, well, that didn't work so well. And you just go back into your own little world. Well, it'll just be me and Jesus. Except here's the deal. Jesus doesn't want it to be about you and Jesus only. That's not the deal. You're actually, he's, he's saying you're part of this. He's telling his disciples, you're part of this. Yep, I just planted some seeds in this woman. She's bringing back the whole town. I need your help. He's talking to his disciples and saying, you're going to help me harvest this baby. It's not just up to me. And, uh, and I want to say the same to you. So this isn't a guilt trip. Jesus is not into guilt trips. And it's also not about, you know, putting a little, another little notch on your belt. How many people have I saved? Well, actually, the answer is none because Jesus saved them all. We just get to be Jesus to people. We get to love them, not judge them. We get to tell them about what he's done in our life. We get to, and at some point we can ask them, especially when, because you could tell when some people are ready, hey, do you, sounds like you're excited about this. Do you want to actually give your life to him? We get to be part of this. And Jesus went on to say, I have sent you out to a harvest, to harvest a field that you haven't planted, where many others have labored long and hard before you. And now you are privileged to profit from their labors and reap the harvest. So what he's saying is you really can't take credit for any of it anyway. Just be ready. Because people have... There's so many points of light. All the people that have received Jesus, it's growing exponentially. It's growing exponentially. Millions and millions and millions a day are coming to Jesus all over the world, especially in what you think are the darker places because because they they are looking for light. Nabil, who's from Jordan, he can he would tell stories. In the Middle East, people are looking for light. They want light. But, but, but in order to, to share that light, whether it's, you don't have to go to the Middle East because you, how many of you know the Middle East, many of the Middle East have come to America, right? They're all, every nationality, every people group, they're all here. And they're all hungry for the truth. They are. They, they want Jesus. They don't want religion. They don't want you to, to judge them. They don't want you to tell them they're a terrible person. They just want hope. When you start telling them about a father the way Jesus did to this woman at the well, oh, you have a father who loves you. That's the missing piece. I do. Everybody is longing to be loved. I want to tell one more story. Um, let's see how we're doing here. Good. It's just a, another story. I just thought about this guy. I just thought about uh, Jeff Yashimoto. 
Mary Jo and Suzanne are sitting in the front row because all three of us were in the same dorm together at UC Davis. And Jeff, too. He was, uh, the three of us were, were, all, uh, uh, were there for two years in this dorm. Jeff came the second year because he was a year behind us. And uh, he was just a sweethearted guy, just a sweetheart. Um, but he didn't know Jesus. And uh, I don't know that I talked to him a lot about it originally. But what happened is that the next year, um, I just loved Jeff. I mean, he was a wonderful guy. And then the next year, we, um, several of us got a, a, a condo. And uh, we invited Jeff in to um, be one of our roommates. And so it was during that time that I began to share some with Jeff about Jesus and about what he was doing in my life. And um, at the time, I gave him a book that was impacting me. And it was a book, you know, that would, that would easily lead him to Christ if, if he was interested. And um, the way I remember it, I mean, it's been a lot of years, but the way I remember it is that uh, a day or so later, I'm coming back into the house, and all of a sudden, Jeff, he's, you know, kind of a shy guy, just really sweet, but kind of shy. And he's like, he says to me, well, I, I you know, I, 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 prayed, I prayed the prayer, you know. And I'm like, cool, what, what, you know, tell me more. And he's like, he goes, well, you know, I, I accepted Jesus, and I'm, I'm so happy. I feel so happy. Um, now, when I look back at that, I think, gosh, I kind of wish I had the guts to, to lead him there myself. But that's totally missing the point. The point is, Jeff met Jesus. He had some people living it out around him. He met Jesus. And, and actually, I got this off of YouTube just the other day and reconnected with him. And um, Facebook, YouTube, Facebook. One, uh, such a, such, yeah, never mind. <laughs> Just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> so I know. She says, I'm not judging you, okay? <laughs> so I have a lot of other stories I could tell. I, I actually had the thrill of leading both of my sons to Jesus when they were both about three years old. In other words, they, were, they grew up around us, but at some point they start asking questions, and I say, you want, you want to ask Jesus? So their story is going to be, I don't really remember when I accepted Jesus. I just always knew him. But actually, there was a point at which their little, little hearts said yes, and they wanted him. They're just not going to really remember it the way that some, some do as an adult, uh, I think. Um, there's a lot of other stories I could tell. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to impress any of you because I actually don't consider myself to be uh, uh, the evangelist of the fivefold ministry that's mentioned in... Um, Ephesians chapter 4, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I, that's not actually what I don't consider. In other words, I don't, that's not what makes me tick. You know an evangelist when you're around one. Because everybody's got to get saved right now, you know. And, and that's awesome. We need them. The whole point of the fivefold is that the evangelist, pastor, teacher, apostle, prophet, is, is you, we need it all. And, and any, one, any church that's all one thing, after a while, it kind of gets stale. And it's, it's just, it's missing the parts. It's supposed to be full of all of those things. And this is not a lesson tonight about what they all are. I'm just saying to you, I don't consider myself an evangelist per se. But I've had the opportunity to lead many, many people to Jesus. Because all of that's, you don't have to have the gift or the office of evangelist 
to lead people to Jesus. It's just who you are. It's, it's part of who you are as a follower of Jesus. Right? He said to, us, he said to his disciples, now you are going to be fishers of men and women. That's you. That's who you are. And you might say, well, I don't know how to do this. Okay, we can, we can teach you. You can learn. But I want to tell you, it's pretty basic. It's mostly about loving people and sharing your story. Love people, don't judge them, and share your story when it's appropriate, at the appropriate times. And if they want to receive Jesus, again, there's, believe it or not, that prayer that we all talk about, and, men, and most of you in this room at some point have prayed a prayer, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I, 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 say, I say yes, that I, I accept your forgiveness and washing me of my sins. I ask you into my heart. I want you to be my Savior and to lead me. Most of you at some point have prayed a prayer like that. That's awesome because that's very similar to what we were saying earlier with the family connection. There comes a point at which you step over a line and you make a decision. It's really important. But I want to tell you, there's nothing magical in the words. They aren't in the scriptures. There, people will say, oh yeah, Pastor, Romans 10, or you'll start giving me quotes. I'm like, well, yeah, there's little bits and pieces of stuff. That's cool. But nowhere in scripture does it say, this is the prayer you need to pray to make sure that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Jesus said to the people around him, follow me. Right? And then what did he preach? He preached the kingdom. It says he preached the kingdom. And there were times where he preached salvation, like Nicodemus, um, even the woman at the well. But mostly, he's preaching the kingdom. What's the, pre- what's the kingdom? The kingdom is a father who loves you, who wants you. The kingdom is about healing. The kingdom is about all that, that Jesus has paid for you to enjoy. The kingdom is about eternal life with him. But Jesus was preaching the kingdom, and people were so enthralled because they wanted these things. I need this. I want, I want to be with you. The kingdom is about forgiveness. And they said, I need that forgiveness. And so then they started following Jesus. Let me just finish the story. So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Isn't that awesome? Many from that Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's testimony that he told me everything I ever did. Then they begged. This is the people in the city, that village. They begged Jesus to stay with them. So he stayed there for two days. Dang, two days, like... You know, we got the coolest speaker in the world, and he's going to be at our place for two days, resulting in many more coming to faith in him because of his teachings. Guaranteed also the disciples were in on this because he was just telling them, I, I'm, this isn't all about me. I, I'm, I'm inviting you into this. Wouldn't that have been interesting to be there for that? Two-day revival. Crazy. Then the Samaritan said to the woman, to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you told us, but now we've heard him ourselves, and we are convinced he really is the true Savior of the world. Two days earlier, all she said is, this is what he did to me. He might be the Messiah we're looking for. That's all she said. They hang out with him for two days. We are convinced he really is the Savior of the world. See, what, our job is not to convince people. We can't. That's Jesus' job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to invite them in and, saying, and, and let them know what they've done for me, for you. 
invite him in and say, Wouldn't, isn't this something you want? And as the Lord is leading you to, to the right people at the right time, you're going to have plenty of people who say, this is exactly what I want. This is what I need. Here's Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. <sighs> the gospel is good news. That's what the gospel means. Literally. It means good news. So if you've encountered Jesus, you have some good news to share. And he's going to help you do it. But I have a question. I'm curious if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know Jesus that way. Maybe you've known about Jesus. Um, maybe you're in that, that searching phase. I'm wondering, is this a night when you want, you want to meet this Jesus, the one that, that is kind, compassionate, forgiving? And so if that's you, I want to ask you to come up here. And, I'm, and I, right now, like, come on up, and I want to talk to you and pray with you, if that's what you want. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, just to touch any heart tonight, there's any heart, even of one person who just said, I don't know Jesus like that. I want to know the real Jesus. So if that's you, I know that's, I know it's like really super bold of you, but I would just actually just sit and talk to you for a minute in a very kind way. Is that anyone here? Here's the next thing I want to ask. I want to ask that um, if, if you have known for a while in your life, I'm one of those evangelist people. I'm talking about you know that it's your heart's passion to see souls saved. I already told you this is all of our job. It's not just the job of a few people. But it does say in Ephesians 4 that some have been given as Jesus as a gift to the body of Christ that, that have this, this overwhelming, this gift that's in them of, of evangelist. They can't help themselves. That's always, that's what they're wired for. That's the way they tick. If that's you, I want to invite you to stand where you are because I want to bless you. Awesome. A couple of people. There's got to be more. Don't be shy. Don't, like if you just know, this is me. For some of you, let me say this. Stay standing, please. For some of you, you're thinking, well, I think that might be me, but man, I haven't been doing that for so long. Maybe I got it wrong. Now, how about you, you know it's you, and even if you haven't been sharing boldly lately or for a long time, let's get re-energized tonight. Let's, let's go for it again. Let's, I want to bless you in this. Because, and, the, and the first thing I want to say, is there anyone else? There's like maybe 10 people standing, which is awesome. A couple in the back, way back, way back there. And there was a woman way back there. I... First thing I want to say to all of you before I bless you and pray for you is, is that um, the body of Christ, the family of God, needs you and needs your gift. I, w I want you to know that. We need you. And we're so, I'm so glad that Jesus gave you this gift and this passion to have to tell people, you know, in whatever way that looks like for you, but where you can't help it, you've got to tell people, 
And it's just burning in you. And some of you, I'm just declaring, some of you still, because some of you have had those prophecies of stadiums or, you know, roomfuls of people that you're going to preach to. Hang on to those dreams. Because I'm telling you, we're still heading into the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. You know, the world, although I said we're exponentially, the kingdom is expanding of, of those receiving Jesus. I'm telling you, there's still a great percentage of people that don't know him yet. A, a huge harvest is coming in. We need you. The body of Christ needs you. So I just wanted you, I wanted to, I wanted you to hear that and, and really feel it from my heart to yours. You are appreciated. You're valued. You are valuable. I would like to ask if you are around, I would like to have just a couple people praying. Look around, and there's, like I said, there's one way in the back, two way in the back over there, one Celine way in the back over there. And I don't know, if Jen, if you're standing or not, because you got a baby in tow. But, but make sure at least one or two people are, uh, have a hand on each person that's standing. We just want to bless them really good. Okay, now it's hard to know. If you stood up but nobody's praying for you, raise your hand, and we want to, I want to make sure somebody's praying over you. All right. I'm going to start the prayer, but I also want, in, when I'm, I'm going to ask you who are standing, I want to ask you just to pray something also. However God leads you, but just bless them. Bless them in you know, what God has them doing. Bless them, encourage them. They need blessing, they need encouragement. But I'll go ahead and start us. And Father, we thank you that in your kindness and your goodness, you, you gave gifts through Jesus to the church. And one of those is, is that gift of evangelism, that evangelist. And so, Lord, thank you for each person who's standing right now. Thank you for their hearts. We're saying, Holy Spirit, breathe life back into the hearts. Breathe fire. Breathe courage back into them. Lord, wherever they've been wearied because of whatever, beaten up, um, somebody along the way discouraged them, God, bring the courage. We speak courage back into their hearts. And God, wherever you have placed the dreams in them, where they've seen, some of them have even seen where they're going to be preaching or who they're going to be talking to, God, would you cause those interactions to happen and, and bring each one of them back to the core, the core of the good news that I met a man who knew everything about me and he loves me. And God, would you empower them now to go because we're in a time where we need these ones to go and to be who you've called them to be, to go out to the marketplace, to go wherever you send them. Now go ahead and keep praying. I want you to pray over them. Just pray a blessing over them. Those of you who are around them, pray courage into them. Pray strength into them. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God, we... I am praying, God, for great fruitfulness that in this next season, even now as we're, as we're, we're being, we've been led into this story by you, God, this, this woman at the well, God, thank you that there's going to be great fruit even from the prayers we're praying tonight, that those who are being prayed for and all of us are going to start encountering, having more and more encounters with people. We're going to have more and more courage to talk to people, and we're going to see just how ripe the harvest is, how ready people are to know the real Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I have, a, I have something to say to you who uh, are standing, or were standing, you know, the first one standing. I want to say that if uh, I would love to hear the stories. So in the coming weeks, this is not a pressure thing, okay? This is not, this is not a pressure thing, but in the coming weeks, if you start realizing, oh, wow, since we did that prayer thing and kind of got blessed and released and appreciated, all of a sudden there's more opportunities and I'm starting to lead people to Jesus, having these amazing conversations. Would you tell us about it? Um, because I would love to have testimonies. I love healing testimonies and we want more of them. And, um, but how many of you know the greatest miracle in the world is a renewed life, is a, is a life that went from dead to alive in Christ? So I do want to hear those stories. Uh, and as you let us know, when I say ask myself, the other elders, if you let us know, there'll be certain times where we'll want you, know, want you to share a story. Um, so one more thing, and then, and then we're at that time where parents need to pick up their children. But I want to ask everyone in this room to stand, because you're going to receive a blessing, if you're able to stand. And... Um, and this blessing is, I, I, I want to speak courage into every one of you. Because I just, Jesus said, this is not just for a few. This is all of us. Yep, some are burning for it. You know, those that are pastors and teachers, they've got a different heart. They want to care for people. They want to make sure you understand everything. Everybody's got their role. Evangelists are burning to, to see everyone, everyone saved. However, you all carry some of that DNA. All of you carry some of that DNA. You have some of that in you. And it is, it is who Jesus has, has empowered you to be. So I just want you to hold out your hands because I'm going to bless each, each one of you with a blessing to say to you, and this is the Father's blessing, he says to you, my children, <laughs> I've chosen you and I've called you out. You're my called out ones and my called forth ones. I've sent my son to show you my heart. I've given you my spirit to empower you, to embolden you, to give you courage. Not, not to judge, not to hit someone over the head with truth, but mostly I've given you my love to come into encounters, to care for people, to care about people, and I give you my courage to tell them the good news. I empower each and every one of you, and I'm asking, Father, would you lead each and every person in this room into encounters this week, this week, where they will, they will, they will go ahead and share. First of all, they're going to care, and they're going to love people just to love them, and they're going to find the opportunity, and when it's there, when you nudge them, and when it's there, you're going, they're going to share what you've done for them. I know a man who changed my life. So, God, thank you. Thank you for the courage. Thank you for the boldness that you impart right inside of every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.